Bless your heart. That song blessed me. Uh, if you walked any time in life and you never knew what was around that corner, who do you turn to? I turned to my wife, Pastor Mike. She was asleep. I'm talking about in the midnight hour where you can't rest because you got a diagnosis and you need a touch from God. Will you trust him, church? Because if you caught the theme of our songs today, it's all about trusting in God. And you know where we have the hardest time to trust God with? Those things that we work so hard for money. It's one of those things that grab our attention and hold us sometimes in bondage. And so I, I pray that today, as we look at the parable of the rich fool, that God would speak to your heart about how we hold on to our possessions. You know, God owns it all. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. So today, we're going to look at a few warnings. How many people like to look at the warnings? Hey, you know, Jim, my wife is one of those masters that sees when I'm driving. When that yellow light comes on, that means in her mind, look at Lillian, she grabbed her heart. <laughs> yes, Lillian, that's what happens. She says, we need gas. I said, no, it don't. It's just a warning. Okay, some people over here understand. When the gas light gets to a quarter tank, I got a lot more driving to do before I have to stop at a gas station. Can I get an amen, Mike? Oh, we're going to be a Baptist church today. And what happens is, the longer I drive, the more she talks. You passed another gas station, and I say, honey, we'll pass about 10 more before I believe we'll need gas. We've conditioned ourselves not to listen to warnings. We conditioned ourselves to believe we know we have a little bit more than what we should. And so when we look at the warnings today, don't be like me. Heed them. Listen to them. Obey them. Church, say amen. 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 So we're, we're on the same path. I'm going to read the text, and then we're going to dive into it. Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 13. I have the CSB Bible. It reads as thus. Someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, my brother, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, he said to him, Who appointed me a judge or arbiter over you? He then told them, watch out, be on guard against all greed, because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do? Since I don't have anywhere to store my crops, 
I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and all my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it will be with the one who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. The word of the Lord is blessed. And so as you see in this story, we're going to learn a lot of things about money and about what greed is. The Bible tells us to confess our sins one to another, amen? Since my wife's not here, I got a confession. And in this confession, it stays in this room, amen? She's driving, I ain't worried. I have an issue with tennis shoes. I have a room in my house lined up with tennis shoes. I am no longer allowed to have big boxes come into the house because when a big box delivers, size 13 doesn't fit in a small box. My wife said, how many tennis shoes do you need, my love? And I said, don't laugh, don't laugh. I'm in real therapy. I said, honey, these are special tennis shoes. And I got them on sale. So I'm admitting to you, not to her, that I have an issue. I can be greedy at times. You know that feeling? When you have enough, but when that daggone email comes and it alerts me, you know, I'm on the Nike site, so I get them first. I'm a preferred customer. So they give me early drops. And you know what I had to do, Jim? I know you don't. Don't worry about it. I had to turn off my notifications. Okay. Jim's awake today. This is a new one. I'm on the preferred list that they just send me notifications, so I had to turn them off because I could not get a hold of my spending. I won't tell you how many shoes I have. After this studying for this sermon, I became very ashamed. Ask me next week what I did with my shoes. I'm just giving you, I'm giving you a preview of where we're going. Now in our story, there's an introduction before we get to the parable. It looks so not bad. It looks like a regular story. 
Look at what the verse 13 and 14 it says. Someone from the crowd. Let's stop right there. Jesus had started uh, mounting a great crowd in his ministry, and people were following him. And in the backdrop of this story, the Pharisees are right there. Those religious leaders that called themselves the ones, the keeper of the law. They are the ones that kept everything. And Jesus is talking to the crowd, and he's really talking to the Pharisees. And it says, someone from the crowd said to him, teacher or rabbi, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Tell my brother, okay. No longer are they grieving. Now it's time to get what mom and dad left. Tell my brother to give me my part of the inheritance. Does it sound familiar? Know anybody that has passed and the family starts fighting over who gets what? It becomes a greed thing. It becomes, I want, I'm entitled to. But Jesus' answer to him, friend, he said, who appointed me a judge or arbiter over you? In other words, that's not why I'm here. I know you call me teacher or rabbi. I know rabbis deal with arguments, but I'm here to seek and to save the lost. I'm here to give my life as a ransom for many. So instead of getting off task of what he was called to do, he wanted to expose some things to help you and I on the topic of greed. Look at what he says. He then told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed. You see that word all? Didn't say some greed. You, you, Mikey got me when he said all. And when it comes to chocolate chip cookies, oh, you're going to testify with me. How many can eat just one? If you can, I need, I need to spend time with you. I'm a quick study, but my wife makes these great big chocolate chip cookies, and she smells up the whole house. And she said, honey, you want one? I said, no, thank you. I'll have two. <laughs> How much is enough? God's blessed us with so much, but we continue to want more. And he tells us to watch out, be on guard. Because one's life is not in possessions. It's not in the number of tennis shoes. It's not in the house you have. It's not in your bank account. It's not in things. And he's trying to get us to understand we got to watch out for some things. Are you ready to jump into the parable? Are you ready? I don't think you're ready. Are you ready? Come on, come on. Valid? Are you really ready? No, the word's amen. We're in church. Hey, oh, Jim's back awake again. All right, let's jump. Let's start. What is greed? What is greed? Definition I have here, greed is an insatiable desire and lust for more, 
It's an all-consuming so that all of life becomes focused on accumulation of wealth. There's no room for anything else, not even God. That's why it's so hard for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. Where does greed originate? Where does it come from? The Bible says in Mark 7, 21 through 23, for from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, thefts, murder, adulteries, ah, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. A lot of times we say it's somebody else. It's our heart. That's why Proverbs 4.23 tells us above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. And what happens is we've allowed all kinds of things to take our heart's desire. You know in the Super Bowl how much they pay for an ad, 30-second ad? Millions of dollars. Why? Why, Jim? Because they can reach a lot of people. And do you know they start those pre-drops or what the ads? There's a whole show about the Super Bowl ads. Why do you think they're just trying to entice you? Anybody stayed up late at night before? Watch those infomercials about how you're going to get rich quick? But if you buy my program for $4.99, I'll make sure you make millions. It looks good, doesn't it? Until it's not. See, we've got to learn Believing in God is one thing, but believing God is another. You'll get that in a minute. Believing God is totally different from believing in God. A lot of times we believe God, we believe in God, but we don't believe God's word. We don't believe what God has said, so therefore, we're carried away, and greed can take its place. Let's keep going. What do you love most? Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. You, you, you see, the problem is when you start putting money above God, you're going to start worshiping the created instead of the creator. And that's the warnings he's trying to get us to understand. Let's look at warning number one. An unappreciative heart. Look at Luke 12, 16 through 17. Then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive very productive. 
his 401k looked great. It was booming. Then he thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? Instead of being grateful, instead of saying, thank you, Lord, for the productivity of my crops, he became ungrateful and wanted to decide, how can I amass more? So we got to be on guard. We got to learn to be content. Hebrews 13.5 says, keep your life free from the love of money and be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Learning to be content. Learning to be satisfied. I keep asking myself the question, how much is enough? How much is enough? Paul went through some things in life, and uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he, he tells young Timothy, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So what do I need to learn contentment? I hear you asking that question. Learning that Christ is enough. Learning that the sufficiency of what I need is in Christ. Paul learned that in Philippians 4.11. He says, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I've learned. It's a process. You don't get it overnight, but it's a choice. Learn. This is what I said to myself after God dealt with me on my tennis shoes. God, thank you for the 100, but can I have the 99 and let the one go? God said, no. He said, Barry, life's more than just tennis shoes. Life's about relationships. Do you know somebody, uh-oh, we're going to hit application early, that may need a pair of tennis shoes? I'm, I'm taking you into my study now. As I study the passage, I'm like, God, I wear a size 13. Josh doesn't wear a 13. No, Tom doesn't wear a 13. Oh, you came close. I'm not saying any more names. No other people. Nope. Yeah, Jim doesn't wear a size 13. David. I know David's not even in double digits yet. So I'll go for David. So the reality of God saying, I blessed you with all that, who are you going to bless? What do you love? You love more your shoes or more of me? That kind of hit hard. You may not have tennis shoes, but is there something that God has blessed you with that your hand is like this? You're holding so tight that you won't let it go. Can you understand 
God can't put anything else in your hand because you're, you have a fist. Look at this. When I open my hand and I say, God, all that I have, all that I am, it's yours. Now he can do more because I have a willing heart to be content with what he's given me. That helps you to understand what you love more is how hard you hold on to things. And for Paul, he learned the secret. I can do all things through what? Christ, who strengthens me, who gives me the strength to say this, this box of tennis shoes is not worth it. It's your tennis shoes. So who would you have me to bless? So the key to contentment is understanding Christ's sufficiency. Warning number two, yearning heart. Oh, this is that if then. If I get this, then I'll be happy. If I get this, then I'll be satisfied. Look what he says. I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and big, big, build bigger ones and store all my grain and all my goods there. This is it. I've come up with it. Have you ever had that conversation with yourself? If I get this, God, if you give me this job, I'm sure going to start tithing. God, if you, if you just give me that mate, God, then I'll be faithful. Or God, I need you. If you just do this one more thing, then I. It's that if-then scenario. The relationship's built on God serving you instead of you serving God. God, if you buy me that boat, I will then take people on the boat shipping, I mean fishing. See, Kathy wants a boat. Kathy, I like to fish. Can you take me? See? Application already. She's ready to go fishing. God's not a genie. He's not into being used. God's into being worshipped for who he is, not for what he does for us. You, you, can't, you can't get it through our heads that yearning more for other things, it starts blocking our view of how massive and how great our God is. There is no comparison. And so when he tells this story about the man with the yearning heart, he's trying to warn us. Once again, the temptation. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says, But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Did you catch that? Money is not the issue. It's the love of it. It's the desire to run after it. It's that desire that says, I need more. 
But did you catch the end of that phrase? People have walked away from the faith because of money. And it causes all kinds of grief. Warning number three, self-centered heart. Look at what it says. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. Look at who's benefiting. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. All right, that's a Las Vegas trip. Oh, Jim likes Vegas. Jim used to play in the band. Oh, I'm sorry. It's that it's all about me scenario. Me, myself, and I. What will I be able to do with what God allowed me to have? So in order to combat that, Paul tells Timothy, you got to learn to be obedient. He says, therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and what? Greed, which is idolatry. Which is idolatry. You are your own idol. Instead of worshiping God, you start worshiping you. But look at what God's response is. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Stores up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Lesson number three. We got to learn to be generous. We got to be learned to think of someone else other than yourself. Look what he says in 1 Timothy 6, 17. Instruct those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. That slide's not up there yet. That was one that came in in the midnight hour. I'm going to read it for you because it's not up there again. He said, instruct or command those who are rich, people group, people who have plenty of money, in this present age, not to be arrogant, don't boast in your riches, or to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Because you could be rich today, broke tomorrow. Stock market has shown it's not very reliable, right? It's doing good right now, but don't put your hope there. But your hope should be on God who richly provides us once again, all things for our enjoyment. God doesn't give us stuff just, he wants us just to be sad and open. He gives us stuff to enjoy. 
Now this one's up there. He says, instruct or command them to do the rich, to do what is good and to be rich in good works and to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that the, they may take hold of what is true life. Understand, being rich in good works, what does it look like to be generous? What does it look like to not be afraid to give away, not to hold on so tightly? Valley, you've been doing that here. What does it look like to open up to our community? There are people that don't belong here, but they enjoy the benefits of a gym, right? There are new people coming all the time. The reality is not holding on to. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has prepared ahead of time. God's given us assignments already. He's already prepared the good works. I want us to think about who has God put in your life that you can be a blessing to? Who has God allowed you to interact with I don't think you understand. It's just not financial. Who has God allowed you to invite to your house for a meal? So many times, people are home and alone. The challenge for us, God's blessed us with a lot. If you got a roof and you have clothes and you have food, Timothy says, that's enough. Who will you share with? Who will God allow you to bless, catch this, so that they see him? Your motive is so that they see Christ, not you. The challenge how generous will you be as you start planning this year? I believe God's put somebody in your path to be a blessing to. The warning is learning to be content. Stop accumulating things and start building treasures in heaven where the elements don't destroy them. Learn to be obedient and put greed to death. Turn off the notifications like I did. Turn them off. Spend time with your creator, your savior. Allow him to minister to you and show you. And last application, be generous. Give to that one that God's called you to. But give with a heart that says, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for bringing that person in my path. 
Thank you for giving me enough that I may share. Father in heaven, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. He paid a price that none of us could pay so that we could be in right relationship with you. <clears throat> God, I pray for that one who may not know you, who may not have put their trust in you. I pray, God, that this message would help them to see how generous you truly are. You gave your one and only Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God, I pray that that would be someone's reality today, that they would trust Christ for salvation. And God, there may be one who may be looking for a church home and may decide that Valley is the place that you have placed them. God, allow them to feel the love of Christ through the saints here. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.